Hey friends, this is Truth Lies Shenanigans, the live show, Wednesday, September 30th, 2020, last day of September. My name is Neil, and I'd like to welcome you all to our fun, but sometimes impassioned show. Let me introduce you to our host tonight. We have in the opposite corner, everyone's favorite professor, Miss Liz E. Happy hump day, everyone. Hopefully you guys have gotten over the debate hangover mm. that you have come back to some semblance of normalcy today on this hump day. So thank Definitely. you for joining us. <laughs> yeah, and then below me, everyone's favorite rock star, Rob B. Rob B, you're muted. You're muted, Rob B, you're muted. <laughs> Happy Wednesday, everyone. Technical <laughs> issue out of the way. <laughs> and East is taking a little break from the show tonight, but we'll see him back next week. For today's What's show, hey, East. Today's show, we have a special guest spotlight with artist Mark Gagne, and we'll be asking all about his amazing, creepy creation. And for <laughs> Hot Topics, we'll be talking about that fiery debate last night with Biden and Trump. Lizzie will be questioning the injustices with Brianna Taylor investigation, and Rob B will be asking why the scary teacher got fired. <laughs> Remember, we are live everywhere: YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, and Twitter at TLS Live Show. You can also watch us at TruthLiveShenanigans.com. Let's get some of your friends involved in the conversation as well. Take a minute to mention them in the comments so they can join us. And today should be a really, really hot show. So. They should really enjoy it. Of course, you know we love it when you join the conversation. We'll be checking the comments and questions of all of our live feeds and responding to you live on air. Okay, hosts, we've only got 33 days left until the election. You know, we'll be talking about that crazy debate later in Hot Topics, but let's talk about why it's so important to vote, why it's so important to get out. Um, now, I know, Rob, you actually can't vote. But blame Canada. Blame <laughs> Canada. <laughs> but what can you tell our viewers about why it's so important to you for people to vote? Uh, it's very important for me, for the rest of the world, for all Americans to get out and to let their voices be heard, um, that the outcome will reflect what Americans want. Um, at the end of the day, I think that there's going to be some serious, uh, it's not going to be an easy four years, no matter what happens, but it's, uh, it's your civic duty. It's so important. There's really so little of you that's asked as, as a citizen. This is a simple duty that you can accomplish, and it can absolutely tip the scales for all of us. Uh, unfortunately, what happens over the next four years will have an impact on the planet. Yeah, good point. Lizzie? Um, I agree with Robbie. Um, it's our civic duty. It's also a part of the democratic process. Like a lot of countries, there are still countries in this world where the citizens can't freely vote in elections. And so that's one of the things that we as Americans, especially um, once we every every American citizen was, you know, granted the right to vote, um, we take pride in voting 
gets you results. And I'm not just talking about for the general election. I'm talking about for your state elections, for your local elections. Voting gets you the results in your communities, in your states, in your neighborhoods. And I always look at the people who don't go out to vote. More often than not, they are the biggest complainers. They're the ones that are griping and huffing and puffing about all the problems in their communities, and yet they don't go out and make their voices heard, make their demands heard, and invoke change by voting. So if you want things to change, party people, you got to vote. You got to vote. Right. Now, my thoughts are, you know, we, we need to do more than just get out to vote. We need to make sure that others are going out to vote. I mean, we have these Facebook pages, social media. We have worldwide reach that we don't even recognize. We should be making sure that others are getting out there, getting out to vote. So if you have somebody out in uh, Kentucky, you know someone in Kentucky, try to not only get them to vote, get them to get their friends voting. So start influencing people, not just voting, but influencing people. But yeah, make sure we're getting out to vote because this election, you know, when they, they say on the news all the time, this is the most important election, it's the most important election because we've got to get rid of Trump. That's why it's the most important election of our lives, because he is a horrible president and he's got to go. But we need to make sure we're getting our forces out there and we are getting rid of this guy. All right. Let me tell you guys, gave you a little taste, but let me tell you what Truth, Lies, and Shenanigans is all about. We'll be sharing our truths and opinions with you, calling out the lies, and pointing out those crazy shenanigans we see going on. But most importantly, on this show, we do try to have a lot of fun with shenanigans of our own, even though it gets a little heated sometimes. But we do have one rule, and one rule only for our hosts, not our guests, but our hosts. No cussing. If you're caught cussing, there's a $10 penalty. And if you guys are caught cussing three times in the same show, you will be sending a love letter. Lovely, beautiful letters. And they're great letters. To the clown himself. Love. <laughs> My finger just wants to itch up there. Itch up there. <laughs> yeah, this. I'm sorry, that Bama needs to be cussed out. He needs to be cussed out. He does. I was hoping that Joe would cuss him out last He night. came close. He came close. He came Told close. him to shut up. He came close. Shut up, man. All right. So our viewers might will call you out if they catch you cussing, by the way. So keep that in mind. They do. They do call us out. <laughs> they do. That's why Lizzie has 100, 100 duck shows anyway. So, so I have 100 <laughs> on, the, on the board because I have cheaters that are running this whole show over here. <laughs> All right. So we have a very special guest tonight for our Truth Live Shenanigans Spotlight. Tonight we have Mark Gagne of Mind Melt Studios. Welcome, Mark. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. Mark. Mark is a mixed media illustrator from Sudbury, Ontario, Canada, that specializes in the cute and creepy, strange and macabre. His creatures symbolize his mental health struggles and his hope that others struggling can find some comfort or recognition in his creation so that they know that they're not suffering alone. It's an amazing mission. Amazing mission, Mark. 
Thank you again for joining us. Welcome. No Happy to be Welcome. here. Welcome, Mark. All right, Mark, tell us a little bit more in detail. Tell us about yourself and tell us what you do. Well, uh, like you said, uh, I'd like to draw, you know, strange creatures and monsters. And uh, a lot of times it's, uh, they're kind of a reflection of uh, my mental health at the time when I'm creating them. Um, you know, just kind of bringing the darkness that's in my head uh, out onto paper. Um, and, and hopefully people can, can find some connection with the, with the, uh, the pieces and, you know, I've always been a creative person and, uh, you know, just sort of finding my voice now uh, with these pieces where, it's, you know, darker subjects and stuff uh, kind of appeals to me. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about, you said mental health struggles. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, for, I think most of my life I've uh, struggled with uh, depression and anxiety as uh, a lot of people uh, do in the world. And, um, you know, for a long time, it, it was a, it was a hard struggle, you know, trying to find a balance in my life to, to be able to, to function and, uh, you know, at, at least find some, some happy times in the dark times, you know? Mm. Um, and, uh, I think in the last few years, I've been able to get a more of a balance of that. Okay. And Robbie, you had a question. It's uh, it's uh, wonderful to have you on the show, Mark. And uh, it's, uh, it's yeah. great. Uh, you, you've been a wonderful audience member, a wonderful participant. And uh, to see you here just receiving the questions, it's going to be fun. But yeah. um, what have been the major influences along your journey as far as developing your medium to what it's become now, just the works that you're doing? And what are your main forms of your main mediums? Uh, well, uh, my main mediums right now um, is ink on uh, photographs. Um, before I, I got back into, like I went to college for three years for fine arts uh, back in the early 2000s. And then after I graduated, I was doing mostly photography. Um, that was a medium that really uh, called to me. Um, and then around six, seven years ago, uh, I got more into illustration again. And now my medium has kind of been a, a melding of the two, uh, taking my photography uh, of like abandoned buildings and, and lonely locations and kind of mixing them with, you know, strange uh, little ink creatures and stuff. Um, yeah, and I, it it seemed to be a perfect sort of marriage of the of these two uh, these two mediums. I get a Guillermo mm -hmm. del Toro vibe. Mm. Yeah, I get mm. I, I I see that, and uh, I I've gotten that, and I've gotten uh, Tim Burton. Tim Burton, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know people see uh, like the tree spirits from like uh, movies like Princess Mononoke and stuff like that. So. There's a kind of, you know, different areas that I, I guess I've probably pulled from in pop, popular culture and uh, and try to, to do it in my own way, sort of have my own voice. So we talked about that last image um, in the pre-show, and I mentioned that it reminded me of the Nightwalkers in Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. So yeah. do you look at, like, where do you find inspiration? Are you just going with things that you feel for the day? 
Or are you looking at other mediums and saying, oh my goodness, I need to give my touch to that? Uh, well, a lot of the creatures, like you saw in, in that piece, like I, I've always been kind of drawn uh, towards um, and, ha and had sort of an interest in uh, like the paranormal um, and, uh, you know, like uh, cryptids and, and strange sort of otherworldly creatures. Um, and I've always been kind of fascinated with uh, the dark forests of the world. So I, I kind of was doing my take on, uh, you know, like the idea of the shadow people and shadow creatures and how, uh, you know, they've kind of come through the veil of their own existence and into our existence and are kind of roaming the world, looking at, at, at sort of the mess we've made and kind of being unhappy about it. Oh, that's nice. Okay. And so I kind and, of and feel I mean, like, I'll, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and, and I mean, as, as well, like, you know, sort of, uh, you know, popular culture, like Game of Thrones and movies. And then I love horror movies as well. And, uh, and just sort of pulling those influences in when I'm creating these pieces. So in the images, was, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say in the images I've seen, this was like one of my favorites. You have like a, it almost looks like ghosts rising to, you know, to the sky. It's amazing image. Yeah. Now, see, I know this reminded me of War of the Worlds of the recent. Um, I could see that War of the Worlds two thousands with Tom Cruise. I could see and that. whereas in, yeah. you can look at the thing at the images, they're either descending or ascending. Mm. Um, so, right. But initially, I, I I thought, oh my god, where's Tom Cruise? Where's Dakota Fanning in that particular <laughs> photo? Now, I know art yeah. has been used uh, specifically, like, for therapy. Um, as a matter of fact, I have a friend who taught art therapy to children for a very long time. Uh, so you can talk right. about how your art, well, how your art specifically helps you cope or deal with your mental health struggles. Um, well, I've discovered that um, I tend to create more um, if I can create through anxiety but I can't create through depression. When I when I'm very depressed, I tend to shut down and kind of just sort of go into my shell, sort of thing. Uh, whereas if if I have anxiety, it it almost makes me sort of like in a manic state, um, and I, I tend to be a little more uh, energetic, it, it, but in an agitated way. Um, so. It, in terms of, of uh, you know, creating through those things, um, you know, I can definitely cope a little bit more with, with the, the anxiety end of it. And I think uh, creating when I have anxiety, what probably makes me focus a little more, um, kind of gives me like a target or, you know, a, a point that I can focus on. Um Yes, and it, it, it sort of helps me kind of work through that that area. Um, so, I think in, with anxiety, there's a lot of adrenaline in anxiety, um, and yeah. I have been in throughout the course of my life. I have been in bad spots. I have had um, suffered through some mental episodes, and so you're absolutely right. Like when I'm depressed, I tend to I can still write because I'm a writer. I can still write, but it's a lot of um, melancholy, depressing poetry versus yeah. when I'm anxious, I have all of this energy 
And so I'm talking, I'm writing, I'm watching movies, I'm cooking, I'm doing all of these things. So it's, it's, it's very, it's very weird how it manifests um, into our creativity, how we feel. And so in looking at a lot of your work today, um, one, I loved a lot of the images because they made me laugh or they made me think, huh, I want to put that up. That's how I feel when I want to scream. Um, but I also felt like, you know, I love the macabre. I love horror movies and thrillers last night after the debate, like when people were winding down, I texted my friend and said, I need to watch investigative ID. I need to watch a killer show right now because I need to channel some of this negative energy and have it come back to me. I bet you do. I, I can see that. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I think um, the darkness that, that's in our world right now has kind of led to this sort of uh, explosion of interest of everybody in uh, serial killers and, mm. uh, you know, murder shows and stuff like that. And uh, uh, the podcast, uh, I forget what it's called there, but uh, the murderinos and all those, you know, things, you know, I think that's, that's what led has led to the resurgence because people are, are sort of finding some comfort in, in, in examining the darkness in the world, strangely, you know, um, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I have I have created some artwork when I've de- been depressed, but it uh, you could definitely see that uh, it, it's a lot more of an angry um, end result that comes out in my work. Whereas, uh, like especially right now, like with with my current series, the the, the inked photography, that there's there's there is a darkness and a macabre you know edge to it, but there's also a playfulness to it and. It just has a different sort of uh, atmosphere to it, I think. There's some questions online. Let me get to that. So one of the questions is from Mike Winter. Are you getting more inspiration from COVID or or are you inspiring people, more people during COVID? Uh, Probably, probably both. Um, I kind of joke that, you know, the, 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 the isolation that we've had to, uh, to engage in, I've kind of been training for it all my life because uh, I'm not a, I haven't always been the most outgoing person. I don't really go out much. Um, so the isolation has kind of given me the opportunity to explore things artistically. Um, and I mean, just like many other people, I've had a lot of anxiety, you know, dealing with the, the, the pandemic which again, you know, with, with anxiety, I tend to get more creative again. Um, and I, I have actually done a couple pieces that have to do with COVID itself. I did this uh, COVID sort of monster. Um, and I also, uh, one of the pieces that you had uh, on display, uh, I had, had titled it Socially Distant, uh, the one with a little sort of sad creature with all the, the darkness kind of closing in is, uh, yeah, that one there. Um, that one was kind of how I was feeling, uh, you know, very socially distant and sort of, wow. you know, the, the darkness of the world sort of encroaching, you know? Amazing. So Camille Summer says, sometimes the scariest things are the unknown amorph- amorphous, amorous, amorphous, amorphous, amorphous. Thank you. I usually can speak English, but not today. <laughs> Shadows that haunt us. Feels very familiar to what we're uh, dealing with this year. 
and with the unknown of our country and uh, we as people. Uh, so Mel Blaine, uh, my wife, <laughs> said, can you make Neo into a dark creature? <laughs> <laughs> what? Sure. Make him uh, into a dark creature. I, I'm not Sorry. Sorry. Sure, I, can make, I can make anybody into a dark creature. <laughs> well, what would you You said you watched the debates last night, right? Oh, yeah. So what inspiration, like what creature, hypothetically, of course, but if you want to create, I'd buy it. What creature would you make based off of the debates last night? Oh, boy. I'm trying to think. A lot of darkness. A lot of darkness there. Yeah, a lot of darkness. Like, you know, especially with Trump, I kind of picture this sort of petulant little child, like kind of like Damien from uh, The Omen. In the I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I picture I picture him as Damien from the Omen, kind of like you know, it's very demonic. I, yep. Yeah, and 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 Biden is just kind of like trying to hold it together, or, or like uh, I forget the name of that movie, but there was a movie where Martin Short played this terrible little child, and uh, Charles Grodin played his dad or something, and I kind of picture Charles Grodin as like Joe Biden, and and Martin Short's little petulant child is is uh, Trump. You know, and, and and trying to control him, and it, yeah, it, something like that. You know, but probably play up the sort of surreal creature idea with uh, with Trump. <laughs> uh, Camille Let Summer says something that looked like <laughs> she said no, something that looked like <laughs> Camille Summer. Camille Summer says something that looked like Orange the Hut with verbal diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, yeah or, or pizza the, pizza the hut from uh, space balls all right robbie another question you had another question for <clears throat> so mark i want you to i guess when you are deciding on a series when you are deciding what you want to do next in is it something that's very deliberately selected or is it more based on where you're at at that point in time? Uh, good question. Um, sometimes it's a mixture of both. Um, like this current series of the my inked photography um, was something that uh, I, had, I had thought about a little while back and it kind of just got pushed to the side. Um, and, you know, I just continued with my, my regular sort of illustrations. Um, and then it kind of came up again, you know, of, of mixing the two, the two mediums together. And it just seemed to really just click into place uh, right now. And, and like you said, maybe it's the climate of, of what we're going through with the pandemic, um, you know, and especially with uh, all the climate change and everything. Um you know, I think it, there's a lot of outside forces that maybe played into the the idea of of exploring this this uh, new series. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's probably a mixture of both. I think it's a mixture of, of you know deliberately going towards a sort of project and also what I'm feeling at the time. Um, and I mean, sometimes I just kind of fall into it. Like um, I, I started this series uh, know, a year and a half ago. Uh, cause I was, uh, I had this art show opening and I was just going to do these sort of one-off little ink monsters and, and creatures and ghosts and stuff. 
Um, so I just did these little these little ink drawings, like almost like ink, ink blot drawings. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and they kind of just took on a life of their own after that, where they just became this big series and they almost uh, sort of became what I was known for uh, for a while. And I'm still sort of feeding off of that. I'm still doing these sort of ink creatures. And and it's it's funny how you sort of explore something and then it becomes something bigger. So you deal with a lot of, um, so you, you say you say you deal with a lot of depression, and, and that art is not does not help you out of it. So I'm, I'm curious. This is a curiosity of mine. So how do you pull yourself out of that depression? Um, I mean, sometimes it's 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 really hard. Um, I. I do give my my girlfriend, uh, my partner, a lot of credit. Uh, you know, we're, we've always been there for each other as a, as a, as a support system. Uh, when she's when she's feeling down and unwell, you know, I usually end up picking up the the, the slack, sort of so to speak. Um, and then when I'm really bad, you know, she'll pick up the slack, and she's always there to sort of, you know, try to try to push me up and, and try to. Uh, encourage me to to you know get up out of bed and let's let's watch a movie together or let's you know whatever you know let's go for a drive or or something you know just to try and not sort of uh, wallow in the darkness um but also not um not sort of dismissing how i'm feeling you know like uh it's it's not the same oh don't be sad you know like Mm -hmm. you're feeling really crappy and you're you have a right to feel crappy absolutely you know and so so not dismissing what you're feeling okay and so so in those times when you come out of the depression do you use that those feelings as the inspiration going forward i know you do a lot of out of anxiety but i mean are are, are a lot of your artwork from the depression after or is it Uh, mainly the anxiety Uh, uh, probably mostly the anxiety, but I have done pieces, I think, that uh, reference, you know, those dark times. Um, and, and usually when I come out of a dark period, um, which usually involves some sort of artist block where I'm not creating anything, I'll come out and I'll just be creating at a feverish pace. Like art pieces are just uh, flying yep. out the window kind of thing. Yeah. You know, That's so yeah, yeah you, you almost become manic like a... I, I kind of, I had a little bit of an art block, you know, a few months back. And when I came out of it, I, I, I went right into this, this inked photography series and I posted about it actually on Facebook, uh, sort of putting it out there. If other artists kind of have this sort of manic anxiety when they're creating something that they're really excited about, you know, like I was, I was kind of, yeah, I was like almost like shaking. I was just so creatively charged, you oh. know? I've definitely been there. And again, I'm not like an artist in that I draw. I'm a writer. And so when I am in that anxious anxiety mode, I'm writing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I think a lot of my friends can attest to that because then I'm like, okay, you need to read this. Oh my God, I'm going to start this new novel. Oh my God, I'm going to do this. I wrote this poem. I wrote this essay. Like it's a lot of stuff. Um, Unfortunately for me... No, I'm just going to say, unfortunately for me, I'm not really displaying any of that or publishing any of that, Um, but it's a lot. Like, I have tons of We should share some of it. We should share some of it. I have tons of written work that is the result of me being in that anxious, um, manic state coming out of a low point. 
And it's funny, like you, you almost um, like when you're in that sort of manic creative state, like you're almost not the same person. And you kind of like, when you, when you come out of it, you kind of look back, like you're almost like inebriated or something. It's like, you know, what did I, what did I do last night? Kind of thing, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes there's some good stuff in there and sometimes you're just like, Whoa, what the hell was I thinking there? There's there's a couple of interesting questions online. Uh, By the way, um, Ron Perry said that uh, Lizzie's cat is already the Damien cat. So, I already responded to that. I'm going to leave Remy alone. My cat is bad, but he's my king. So, yeah. Yeah, we only have a couple of minutes. So, Marjorie Lorraine says, historically, the artists and writers have always enlightened us during our darkest pandemic moments. Jose says, I find with depression, you usually need to ride it out. Be patient, understanding. There's no quick fixes. Um, Mel Blaine says, you're never really out of the depression. It's something you have to work on every day. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always say that that my mental health is a work in progress. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's a piece of artwork that's never going to be finished. And I just always add uh, something to it. And, it, you know, and it's just something you have to sort of uh, roll with. Yeah. So, yeah. Mark, um, as we're getting closer to the, that end point, I would like to ask how we, our viewers, uh, can purchase your materials. Uh, yeah. What are your aspirations as far as Mind Melt Studios? What would you, what would be your ultimate? My ultimate, uh, I think, I mean, my, my goal has always been to sort of be a, a self-supporting artist. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to become uh, rich and famous, although, I mean, obviously that would be nice. Uh, but I would like to, uh, yeah, I, I would like to at least be able to pay my rent, pay my bills and, and just live uh, an OK life. You know, um, that's my ultimate goal, just to make a career out of it and 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 just people enjoy my artwork you know it, it always it, it doesn't matter how many pieces i sell every time i sell a piece there's a it gives me a charge you know i get excited um because somebody decided that yeah you know what i need that in my home you know i need to own that and look at that every day in my house and it's it's an amazing feeling you know i'm i'm, I'm honored to have people like my work um so, yeah, I mean, I'm just happy to get my artwork out in the world. And I, and I know, you know, there's a lot of artists out there that are afraid to sort of put their work out there. And it's definitely a big step to, to put yourself out there because every piece of art is kind of a piece of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, that you're putting out there. And when somebody when somebody wants to buy it, it's like they're accepting a piece of you. Well, how can people find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook. Uh, just look up Mind Melt Studio. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Instagram as well at, uh, at Mind Melt underscore Studio, and uh, I also have a website called uh, www.mindmeltstudio.com, and I have a web shop on there, so you can uh, buy all sorts of different stuff. I have prints and originals and stickers and buttons and all sorts of goodies. Can't wait to buy some stuff. Well, I definitely a, want to buy the image that we used for our ad today. Like that was just I like that. that one. 
Yeah, yeah, check out the Facebook page for that, guys. You have to yeah. scroll down a little bit. Yeah, You'll yeah. see and, it. And yeah, if anybody have, you know has any questions about my work or about purchasing anything, uh, feel free to message me. I'm always happy to, to interact with people. All right, Mark, any last words? Uh, this has been awesome. I, I'm you know really pleased to be here, and uh, thank you for the invite. Thank you to Rob for, for reaching out to me. Um, you know, I, I appreciate the time. Thank you so well, much. Thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate it. Thank you for all of your witty commentary on the Facebook page. Yeah, you're a funny dude. <laughs> no question about that. It's always fun to interact. <laughs> and Mark. Another fantastic thing about Mark is that he is a fellow Bruins fan. Got to give him props. Oh, yeah. yeah. we, we yeah. got to close out now. we got to close out now. See you later, Mark. All right. Nice meeting you. Great. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Mark was awesome. I I enjoyed that. Yeah. And I definitely enjoyed his work. I was looking um, through a lot of his pieces um, before the show today. Loved it. Loved it. That's that's me. That's me. He's pretty amazing. Awesome. All right. We got to jump into our hot topics. Let me take a shot. Let me take a shot. You're going to need a shot for this one. Yep. (laughs) All right. So let me tell you how the hot topics works. Each of our hosts comes with a topic in the news they want to discuss. They'll tell us about their hot topic, ask a question, and we'll start our timer. Uh, Then our hosts will discuss. Once time is up, we'll see Genji dancing to our theme song. Welcome back, girl. (laughs) And be showing us, he'll let us know the time is up, and we'll move on to the next topic and the next host. Uh, And they'll talk about whatever they want to talk about. And again, make sure you're Continue sharing your thoughts, feelings, and questions because we are listening and responding. And today we are starting with me because we are going to be talking about that crazy uh, debate last night. So, truth lies and shenanigans. It was all of it last night. All of it last night. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to start out showing you a clip of the show, the debate. Will you Who shut is up, your, man? Listen, in, China in, ate your lunch, Joe. You're the, the worst way, president Weiss. America has ever had. Hey, hey, Come Joe, on. Me... I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. But you I just agree. want to hey, make Joe, sure. Joe, you're the liar. I, 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 I want to make sure. You graduated last in your class, not first in your class. I want to make Mr. sure. Mr. President, can you let him finish, sir? No, he doesn't know how to do that. You know what? You're not true. You're going to have true. Gentlemen. I hate to raise my voice, but I see it seems to be. Why shouldn't I be different than the two of you? Yeah, that was ridiculous. That was a good one. (laughs) That was ridiculous. Chris Wallace. I mean, I know, Lizzie, you you have some comments on Chris Wallace as a moderator. Um, I just, obviously, you can't necessarily prepare for this. Like, even if you know Trump's... um, demeanor, his characteristics, his penchant for being a bully. I don't think there's any way, there was any way to prepare for this level of vitriol and bulliness, if you will. Yes, that's a new word. Um, (laughs) But I just don't think he took charge from the beginning. Like you have to, in the beginning, take charge and be assertive and let them know we ain't doing it like this. Mm-hmm. You will shut up when I tell you to shut up. I think he tried, so, though. Nah, ain't no 
know, trying. It's your job. You're the moderator. Again, like a lot of people in talking about who should be the moderator for the next debate, a lot of people have um, proposed Samuel L. Jackson. Now, do you <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. He have delivered. He would have delivered. Oh, that would be great. Um, I, I would pay money to watch that. Chris Wallace, to his credit, he did apologize today. And he, you know, he put the onus on himself and yeah. felt like he failed. And so that that's a big step, you know, to publicly come out and critique yourself. Um, but I, 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 I think they need to go in a different direction, if you will. And with, I, I don't know. I kind of I kind of liked it. Really. I got to be honest with you. I, I like that uh, Chris Wallace had to keep cutting him off. And because I, I think I mean, I, I agree that he was a poor moderator in that sense that he had to do that. But it kind of made look Trump look unpresidential, like very unpresidential. So to whom? To us? Well, yeah, I mean, his base is his base, though. It, there's nothing you can do with his base. They're all voting for him regardless. I, it's I those independents. I could do some stuff. Who are you base. convincing in his base? <laughs> convincing nobody in his base. You, you haven't really... seen our tricks. <laughs> okay. It, it really wouldn't have mattered who you put in the seat first, because like you said, Liz, there was no way to prepare for this. So now that we've seen the first gong show, they can prepare for the next one. And Trump did exactly what he wanted to do. He showed up. He was full of, he was full of vitriol, <laughs> but he showed up and he just, he steamrolled the moderator. He steamrolled the process. He had, I was on the debate team in high school. I, this was not a debate. There were no rules followed. There was no decorum whatsoever. So when you have someone that shows up and has a complete disregard for how the proceedings are supposed to go, even if they would have turned his microphone off, this is the type of man who would then start shouting louder and moving towards the live mic. Yeah. Let him go. Trump. Yeah. He did the same thing with Hillary. He did that same thing with Hillary. Put them in the isolation booth. <laughs> Security. Vaughn Perry says Samuel L. Jackson would have fit right in in that circus last night. Camille says, Camille Summers says, saw Trump supporters boo hoping that Chris Wallace was too tough on Trump and siding with Biden. I have no clue what debate they were watching. Um, Jacqueline Robinson said, how, how about using someone from the League of Women Voters the way they did back in the day? It was, you know, it was shameful uh, and, the, and she feels sorry um, and the world is laughing at us, which is true. All right, let's go to the next. So they talked about the Supreme Court as well. I will tell you very simply, we won the election. Elections have consequences. We have the Senate, we have the White House, and we have a phenomenal nominee, respected by all. The American people have a right to have a say in who the Supreme Court nominee is. And that say occurs when they vote for a United States senators and when they vote for the president of the United States. They're not going to get that chance now because we're in the middle of an election already. Thoughts? So I think people are going to be surprised by my reaction to this. I almost agree with Trump a little bit here because it's not. I'm surprised fault. that you agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's second time in a week. Oh my God. <laughs> right. <what's going> <laughs> 
But it's not Trump's fault that the system for this, for nominating Supreme Court justices is the way it is. That's the fault of the government. And there mm-hmm. needs to be a change because be a we change. saw this when Obama was still in office. Yep. And he he was absolutely right. It's a partisan issue. Whomever is in control, whichever party is in control, they are going to pull the strings and they are going to say whether or not, okay, we are going to put forth a nominee or we are not going to vote on a nominee. We're not going to allow the nominee to come forward. And so I agree with him on that. However, I'm still going to call out them Bama Republicans. That's right. They're hypocrites. Mm -hmm. They're hypocrites. Even, you know, Lindsey Graham, like, you know, hold me accountable for what I, okay, yeah, we're going to hold you accountable because you said it twice. You said it twice. Like, come on, come on. Oh yeah. I was going to say the same thing. I mean, you know, he, one thing he did say was he said he's elected president for four years, not three years, which is absolutely true. But I was going to make the same point, you know, it just, the problem is the hypocrisy. So. Well, because, yeah, because Obama was elected president for four years. Right. And they and just it was ignored like, what, 265 days before the election. And they still refuse, refuse. to honor mm-hmm. his nomination. They yep. still refuse to honor it. Any thoughts, Robbie? Uh, I just wanted to circle back to something Liz had said earlier at the beginning of the show when we were talking about why it's important to vote just at the Senate, just at the state level, at every municipal election, because those when you put those people in power there's they're the people that are going to put other decision making decision makers into power so that's why you got to get your boots on the pavement or at least electronically however you can vote 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 yeah camille said uh he may have excited his base but he didn't get any new voters into his camp with his behavior last night and Ron perry says i blame mitch for his hypocrisy all right he talk coronavirus or he just looked at the stock market one of the two because guess what a lot of people died and a lot more are going to die unless he gets a lot smarter. If we would have listened to you, the country would have been left wide open. Millions of people would have died, not 200,000. And one person is too much. It's China's fault. It should have never happened. They stopped it from going in, but it was China's fault. And he's just calling off like his talking points. I mean, he, he's had those same talking points in like every, every uh, one of his uh, press conferences. I don't know. I, I'm just frustrated yeah, with him. China was one of our um, drink game triggers. Oh, yeah. He said it a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. so, so we had a drink game last night. Um, and so if certain, if Biden or Trump said certain words, certain phrases, you had to take a shot. And China for Trump was one of those triggers, one of those shots. And so I, I can't even, I, I didn't put a count in to how many times he said China. <laughs> but he started very early in the conversation. Blaming China, asserting everything to China. And what was really sad was during the conversation when Chris Wallace asked about his response to the allegations that he didn't handle the COVID crisis well, um, Joe Biden spoke first. And then when it went to Trump, in his moment, he decided, okay, instead of talking about the COVID crisis, he took exception to the fact that Biden used the word smart. 
And so then he started to dog Biden out for oh, not being smart. a part mm-hmm. yeah. for where he went, you know, if for his, um, you know, formal education, where he went to college. And I'm, and that's where I, I, I think if I, if I'm Joe Biden, that's when I kind of shift from Mr. Nice, demure, nice guy to like, Bama, you paid people <laughs> to get into college. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and avoid you the draft. Barely, you are barely. <laughs> and people take his test. You, your vocabulary is atrocious. It's not even as smart as a fifth grader. Yeah. Bigly and Kofifi. <laughs> and so for you to say, don't you ever, you know, talk about smart. You're not smart. I would have been like, bruh, really? Really, we want to go there because we can go there. We can go there. We're short on time, so I'm just going to go straight to this one here. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland? Are you prepared to to specifically do it? I I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing. Not from the right so wing. So what are you, what are you, look, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it. Do sir. it. Do it. Say it. Do you Say want it. to call him? What do you Long call. Give me a name. Give me a white supremacist and right like Give me a name. White supremacist and right Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right his wing own, problem. This is, this is a left wing. This is a left wing. I'm going back. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. All right. For those people that don't know who the Proud Boys are, it's an extreme right wing organization. Um, and yeah, they are. Happy to hear that. You said, Lizzie, that they they put a put it on their logo or something. Yep, I would, say, logo. I would say maybe um, thirty minutes, an hour after the debates, they put it on their logo. They were hyping this up. They were happy because, from their perspective, Trump is an advocate. He's on their side. He is on their side. There's no he question. Never, he never denounced them. He never called them a white supremacist. He never will. He never called them white supremacists. He never said anything that they were doing was bad. And so they were like, hey, whoop, 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 whoop. There was nothing confusing about that question. Do you denounce this? And in this day and age that anyone would still want to hitch their wagon to those ideals is beyond me, but it does appeal to his voter base. And I promise you that when he was being drilled, that there was a segment of the American populace that was sitting there going, don't say it, don't say it, oh, don't say it. Mm, oh, Woo! yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. That's, that's disgusting. Like, that that just blows my call, mind that it's still happening. You can't call Joe Biden a dummy two minutes prior and then come back and say that I didn't understand your question when you asked me to denounce these white give supremacists. Me, give like, me a name. Like, no, denounce... <laughs> Yeah. Denounce this. Well, I was on online. I was online, and somebody said something about like he's Trump's not a racist, and I don't even know why I stay keep these uh, friends that are <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, friends. <laughs> well, these friends on my page. <laughs> but 
I mean, but I responded to it. And I was like, okay, there's no question Trump is a racist, but at heart, he's a narcissist. And it's always about us versus them or me versus them versus everybody else, which makes him a racist because, you know, he's always us against them. And it's always about socioeconomics with him. So, you know, who has money? You know, who's going to do something for him? Who can he use to get what he wants? Like he hates migrants coming in unless they unless they build his buildings for cheap. He hates blacks unless, you know, he can ride their notoriety somehow. He hates Jews unless they're giving him money or something. So, you know, he'll, he'll praise you, hang out with you and, and treat you real good um, until he's used you up or you caught on to his game. That's how he works. Again, and maybe, you know, a lot of our viewers aren't aware of this, but his history of racism goes back to the 70s and the early 80s. Way back. He was sued by the United States Justice Department and lost because he and his father in their real estate business refused to rent or sell to black potential owners and renters. Refused. Refused. And so they lo he lost that lawsuit, had to pay a fine, had to give an apology. But then subsequent to that, the whole issue with the uh, Central Park Five, where he, you know, basically called them out for something that they were later exonerated of. And even when they were exonerated, he still took out an ad saying that in his eyes, they were still guilty. Like the xenophobia, the racism, all of it is there. It's just his supporters, one, they agree with him, but also they don't want to see it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to acknowledge it. So this is where we are with this particular president. So every time someone is like, well, show me examples of his racism. I'm like, show me examples of when he's not being racist. Because when he says that, you know, he is for this particular group, that particular group, it's because he's getting something out of it. And the first thing he will say about that is, I've done more for the black people than anybody else. I've done more for the Asians than anybody. I've done Robbie. I've done more for the Canadians than anybody else. Like that's, that's how he presented presents it. Mm -hmm. so, it's uh, not for the interest of the other people. It's for him. We're going to have to close this out, but I want to respond to Mike Winter. He says, Neo, he has never treated Blacks nicely. So I agree with you, but, the, but what I was responding to at the time was they were showing pictures of him with Jesse Jackson, pictures of him standing by Rosa Parks, Muhammad Ali, and, you know, of course, you know, he did ha he did hire a black apprentice, but I just want to point out <laughs> the only reason he hired the black apprentice because he whooped he whooped and he had, the uh the he other apprentice and he had no choice. He also had a black girlfriend, former model um Kara Young. He had a black girlfriend, but that's he's why treated you know, some black people nicely, but again, that was that was to use them for something or another. Thomas Jefferson was in bed, you know, raping Sally Hemmings. Like it doesn't that 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 is not an a, an issue. Yeah. Like you can be for black people or um, nice to black people when it benefits you. Yeah. Still doesn't mean yeah. that you're not a racist. All right, Marjorie says uh, Trump only likes Trump. Uh, Mike says David Duke was clear about saying Trump will take us back to the days of greatness. Um, we had Jacqueline Robinson said they're further acknowledge them. Um, 
Marjorie also says, I'm embarrassed, so embarrassed by Trump. All right, we've got to move quickly. So, Lizzie, truth or shenanigans? Um, this is truth, unfortunately. So we are talking about, we're back to Brianna Taylor. We are talking about, um, last week it was determined that, um, only one of the cops that was involved in her murder was going to, um, stand trial, um, had charges brought against him, but it wasn't for the direct um, infraction, direct murder, killing of Rihanna Taylor. It was for some other nonsense, you know, shooting into the apartments of other people. Mm-hmm. But this is particularly about the Kentucky Attorney General and how he hasn't been honest. He hasn't been forthcoming. So he, um, you know, immediately talked when people were talking about. Um, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend. The whole premise was the reason why the police officer shot into the apartment was because Breonna Taylor's boyfriend shot first and hit an officer and that officer was killed. Or I'm sorry, that officer was wounded. And so the attorney general came out and said, we have eliminated initially, we have eliminated all um, um, allegations of friendly fire here. Well, then the ballistics reports came out and said, no, 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 that's not true. As it stands now, it's looking more like one of your officers shot the police officer first. And that caused the chain reaction. But that's not how the AG presented it. Then subsequent to that, he wasn't honest in the grand jury testimony. He didn't present all of the evidence to the grand jury. He didn't give the grand jury the option even to bring charges against the other officers. And so one of the grand jury, one of the members of the grand jury called him out, wanted to have an investigation. He agreed to an investigation, um, a judge ordered an investigation and that the tapes be released of the grand jury testimony. Mm-hmm. And he agreed to that. But now he has pulled back and is asking for a delay. So my question to the panel is, do you trust the Kentucky Attorney General? If you remember, I, let me jump oh, in. Sorry. I'm sorry. If you remember the last time we brought up, I think it was last week, actually, the last week, I think it was Wednesday show last week, that we talked about this. And I told you that I was listening to him. I hadn't heard, I didn't know anything about the, uh, the Kentucky AG prior to that, but I was just listening to him give a press conference. And I said, there is just something shady. I even said it on the show, there's something shady about this guy. And then later you find out he's like hanging out with uh, who, who somebody's niece, uh, Mitch McConnell. He's Mitch McConnell's boy. Yeah. He's a Trump supporter. Right. And he thought that he was going to be one of the nominees that Trump put forth for the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah. That's so he's, he yeah. On top of that, there was video, there was a report that the video, that the officer, uh, one of the officers was on site after the shooting, that they yes. have videotape yes. of him actually being on scene when they're doing the, the investigation. So, and they didn't present that as well. So, I mean, there is shadiness all around and they're hiding a lot. And there's no question mm-hmm. that he is shady. No question in my mind. And like I said, 
even without knowing all this information, just listening to him talk, I knew he was shady. Rob? Yeah, well, there's something definitely to be suspicious of, uh, because that's it, the allegations of him just bringing forward the wanton endangerment charges and not bringing the more egregious charges uh, forward. And I really applaud this grand juror for coming out and wanting to speak publicly so that the truth comes out, um, because this isn't something that happens very regularly. It's very rare. I know one of the last instances of this occurring was in 2014, uh, the shooting of uh, Michael Brown in Ferguson, mm-hmm. where one of the grand jurors came forth and needed to speak their truth. They need to, needed to get it out there. So I'm hoping with the ongoing FBI investigation that we will get uh, a fair and equitable decision from the courts because I really think that this process has been uh, obstructed and right at the attorney general level. No question. I have a friend on Facebook who was um, saying that most of us who were questioning or skeptical of um, Daniel Cameron, we were cynical. And we were just looking for some type of conspiracy theory because he's from Louis. He's from Louisville. He's a black man from Louisville. He has paid his dues to get to where he is. And I don't deny that. However, as black people, we know all skin folk and kin folk. Like when I saw that, and, and I'm not even saying that all black Republicans are bad. Like I question them, but I don't think that they're bad people. But when I saw that he was, you know, good old boys with Mitch McConnell and that he was a Trump supporter and that he was expecting that he was going to be considered for the Supreme Court nomination, it's like it all makes sense. He can't he can't, you know, ruffle feathers when he's expecting all of this from the party. And so, no, I don't trust him. Not one bit, especially since now it's come forward that he wasn't honest. He wasn't transparent. He wasn't forthcoming with all of the information. And I would say this about him as a black man. I would say this as, you know, to a white AG, to an Asian AG, whatever. Like he played politics instead of Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what happened to Breonna Taylor. Yeah. For me, I mean, it, it doesn't even matter what race he is. I knew he was shady from the beginning. I mean, I I knew he was shady. I mean, I could just see it. Uh, so we have some comments online. We've gone from all lives matter to wall lives matter on Perry. Um, Jacqueline Robinson said he's married to Mitch's niece. Um, yeah, that's what I thought. Yep. Uh, hey, uh, Kevin Daxon says the Kentucky AG makes Clarence Thompson Clarence Thomas looked like Malcolm X. Love that. No, no, no. We will not go there. He ain't that bad. He He's not as bad as Clarence bad. Thomas. Is that what you're saying? He ain't that bad. Clarence <laughs> Thomas is. Woo. Clarence Thomas is pretty bad. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if he's far off, though. I don't know if he's far off. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then uh, Jack and says, I knew he was shady when he. When he was interviewed by Gail King, he was contemptuous and seemed downright offended that she dared to question him. Did you see that? I didn't see that. I did not see that. I did okay. not. But it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me at all. Um, a black woman calling him out? What? Yeah. 
Yeah. Declan Robinson says, notice that the stuff he brags about doing for the blacks is always related. Oh, the criminal. I'm sorry. We went backwards to, uh, to Trump. All right. All right. Let's move on. We're out of time. Come on, All right. Go ahead, Rob. Truth, liar, shenanigans. Um, well, this is a truth that um, may skirt the lines of shenanigans. So, <laughs> <laughs> right? So there's a um, teacher in France, Sylvain Hélène. He's uh, a kindergarten teacher, and he's speaking out after he claims that he's lost his job due to his physical appearance, which includes tattoos all over his body and having the whites of his eyes surgically turned black. <laughs> so this is a 35-year-old man who started getting tattooed when he was 27 after some kind of existential um, crisis, if you will. Um, he has lost the job working with kindergartners after a at least one child came forward and complained to their parents uh, that they were having bad dreams about this teacher. So I guess to me, this is one of these things where I have to question, where do they draw the line? Is this an appropriate punishment? Now, as far as I know, they've removed him from teaching kindergartners, but they haven't removed him from teaching. What they've proposed as an alternative, I don't know. I know that there's been some kind of arrangement, but uh, yeah, I'm, let's start with the educator in the room, shall we? <laughs> so I... From what I understand, he has been allowed to teach six-year-olds and up, mm -hmm. um, which I guess for all intents and purposes, we are assuming that they are a bit more mature than six and under. The kid in question who um, whose mother made the complaint about him was three and was saying that her son was having nightmares or what have you. Listen, I am all about people and, you know, their freedom and their right to, you know, live in their truth and represent who they are. But you, in doing that, also have to recognize the consequences of that. Mm -hmm. And as an educator, I'm expected to look a certain way when I come into the classroom. Is it fair? Maybe not, but that those are the rules. Nope. Now, I'm not talking about how, you know, the old rules in, in American society would say that my hair is a mess and that I need to straighten it or whatever. But I'm just talking about basic, you know, I'm walking in, I have a T-shirt on, I have, or a blazer on or whatever. Even if he had a blazer on, pants on, whatever, his entire face is tattooed. His head is tattooed. Oh, yes. His tongue is tattooed. His eye, purposely, like he wasn't born with this condition. His eyes have been, the, the whites of his eyes have been dyed black. You have to understand for little children, that could be jarring. Yep. That is distracting. That is not allowing you to teach and be effective in what you are hired to do. I remember being in, I think, fifth grade when Michael Jackson's thriller video came out. 
And so in our school, we had TVs everywhere. So they decided they were going to show thriller to everybody. And I'm in fifth grade. You know, again, I like thriller. I like uh, killer stuff. I like killer shows. I like Jason, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger. So I wasn't scared. However, our school went from preschool to eighth grade. Those little kids, they had fits. They were crying. And this is Michael Jackson's thriller. Which isn't that scary. I don't know. It was kind of scary. They they were done for the Ooh. rest of the day. They they could not participate in class. They had nightmares. Yeah. So this is not about you, teacher. This is about your students. Yeah. Like, and and if I'm a parent, I'm just I'm gonna be like, dude, what the f? Yeah. Like, what do you? What? <laughs> what? I mean, no, I'm no. I'm basically in agreement with. Uh, yeah, with Lizzie on this one. I mean, I believe people should have rights to do stuff like what he's done. I mean, you know, he, he should be able to do whatever he wants to do. But there is still a line that you have to draw with children. I mean, this, you have to be reasonable around children. Because um, if he were teaching eighth or ninth grade, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, the kids, they, they fine. But when we're dealing with little, little kids, we still have to be reasonable understanding people, you know, of, about the nature of children, um, you know, and so if we understand that this may be frightening to children, we just don't do it. Um, and, and I would support, you know, moving him on from somewhere else. I mean, maybe like say higher grades, like Lizzie mentioned, but definitely higher grades, but I don't think he should be fired outright. Um, and it shouldn't be because he chooses to do this. I mean, if someone chooses to do these things, anyway, but I think the consideration I, for the children. I, I support people's autonomy to make these choices. Let your freak flag fly. Absolutely. But there comes a point when your decisions have financial consequences. If you continue down a certain path, if you want to be considered a professional in education amongst children, and you create a monstrous appearance. It, it, it's beautiful artwork, but at the end of the day, it's an oddity. Mm -hmm. It is visually jarring. It is not part of the norm. And I'm, you know what? Question the norm. I don't want to be part of the norm. That's awesome. But there comes a point where I can't take him seriously as a professional. As an educator, this is maybe not somebody's influence that I would want on my child. Much like if I were to walk into an investment firm and this is the agent that they would assign me, I would probably ask if there was anyone else that I could wait for, that I'd be willing to wait another hour before I invest my money there. It's, it really, that's it. It's, it's that line of professional dress for the job that you want, not the job you have. Well, head to toe tattoo. If you want to be a model, if you want to be an artist, if you want to be an entertainer, Awesome. Not an educator. One last point. He is he also isn't taking into consideration that he doesn't have to deal with the consequences of these kids reacting to or being affected by his appearance once they leave the classroom. He thinks, okay, you know, they should be able to adjust, but then they have to go home to their parents. And their parents are the ones that have to deal with the nightmares, the crying, the whining, because they have like this ghoulish looking teacher that they don't want to go back to in the morning. That's not on him. That's on the parents. 
right. A quick so, comments online before we close it out. Marjorie Marjorie Simpson says, uh, can we really compare Lizzie's natural awesome mane with eyeball tattoos? Vaughn <laughs> <laughs> Perry says he's a distraction to his students. And <laughs> Saima was like, whoa. Agree with Liz. My nine-year-old freaked out watching Thriller. And Jose said, never, we could never compare his eyeballs to Lizzie's mane. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for Hot Topics. Good job, guys. Lies, shenanigans. All right, let's get into our game show. Let's make it quick. Oh, shit. Rob, did you know we were playing a game? I have no did idea you know what we're playing. You're playing a game. Today's game is Ask. We're just going to ask some rapid-fire questions to all of us, and we'll each answer a different question, and we're going to let our viewers decide the most interesting answers. So you viewers out there, you're going to be voting on who gave the most interesting answers, uh, and you'll be the winner. And the winner of the game will get our last word for the day. So, for example, the winner of the game will get a new Chanel purse. Ha! <laughs> so, no points, just votes from the audience today. All right. So we're going to start out with Robbie. Ready? Ooh, yeah. What you got, Rob? Who what and where was your first kiss? Oh, um, first that was kiss. my first kiss. So that was in grade one. And that was at the back of the classroom by the vestibule. <laughs> vestibule. Yes, yes. We're, well, it was just at the back of the room, right? Everybody <laughs> hung up their coats and jackets. And while there was some disarray, I saw an opportunity to sneak a kiss to my first little girlfriend. And oh. it was around my friends with, <laughs> I bet they did. I remember mine too. Lizzie, what is the what best we... plan for Friday night? Oh, Lord. So I'm not going to win any votes on this. For me, best plan on Friday night um, is some cocktails, namely something with vodka and um, some, some, for that. some Mexican food, some authentic Mexican food, and then kicking it up with, again, Discovery ID killer shows. 100%. If I'm not watching killer shows, then it has to be a sporting event. But sports during COVID has been different. So I'm just going to, you know, defer to killer shows. All right. Remember, rapid fire, rapid fire. All right. <laughs> All right. For me, aliens arrived on Earth and asked you to describe our species. What will you tell them? Um, I would tell them, don't look at Trump because they would be looking at another alien. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, aliens, I would describe, I would tell them that we are awesome. I don't know. That's a terrible answer. All right, Robbie. <laughs> the police is asking, where was your best buddy last night? What will you tell them? Oh, uh, we were just hanging out in the backyard, cutting some wood. <laughs> okay. Oh, so you actually were doing that. <laughs> you tell them the truth. Okay. Lizzie. What do you keep in your on your bedside table? I don't have a bedside table. Okay, so nothing. All right. <laughs> For me, who, what do you hate most in this world? Oh, this is easy. Today, that's Trump. That should have been That's an easy one. Today, I really, truly, and I don't really hate much or many people or things. But I do really, for some reason, I really have this amazing disdain for this dude. That should have been my question. All right. Do you believe in USOs, Rob? This last round. 
I have definitely been smacked by unidentified flying objects. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Lizzie, how many people can you can get drunk by emptying your oh, your alcohol stash? <laughs> this is a great question for you. <laughs> um, I would say our graduating class, which was like, you know, 450, 460. The whole class. So that's how much alcohol you have. All right. And, I, All right. and I'm low. I'm running low. So, yeah. Oh, this is an easy one for me. So if, if, you're, if you were a superhero, what would your power be? I always want to fly. Always my superpower. Always got to fly. So. Supersonic. All right, guys. That's our game show for tonight. But you got to pick our winner. So tell us who had the most interesting or exciting uh, answers to the question. And then we'll, the winner will get the last word at the end. All right. All right. Right into our shout out. Lizzie, shout outs. Shout out to everyone who tuned into our live stream last night and who had actually taken shots, making comments, fact checking. It actually was fun. Even though it was the fun. was a little crazy, it was a fun live stream. So make sure you tune in to us next week for the vice presidential debate live stream. Yeah. Thank you for joining. Thank you. It was it was a really fun uh, show. I mean, we had a lot of a lot of fun things going on. Good conversation. So make sure you join in that live stream the next time. Rob B, any shout outs? Uh, you know what? Piggybacking on our guest, uh, shout out to everyone who is struggling through the social isolation. Um, there are absolutely resources out there there are ways to deal with it reach out to a friend if you know someone that you haven't heard from in a while reach out to them they might just need to hear a friendly voice might change somebody's day 100 yep and my shout out is to mark as well um but i want to shout out to people online we had a lot today paulette jose vaughn uh we had jacqueline mike wolf was on hey mike uh, we had Saima. Always great to see Marge Simpson. Dr. Marge. <laughs> we have Mike Winter. So, oh, Thaxton showed up tonight. Camille, thank you for commenting. All the, there's a lot going on tonight. So, we do appreciate you guys. Great stuff. All right. So, that's our show for tonight. Um, make sure your vote. On the comments page, I don't see any votes yet. Who won? Who won? All right. Oh, it looks like Rob B's in the lead right now. Rob B for president. Um, (laughs) We'll see. By the time I finish the closeout, we'll see who won. All right. And that's all the time we have. I'd like to thank you all for joining us. We hope you've maybe learned something or gained a new perspective. We even got something off your chest. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe at PLS Live Show. Um, Tweet me. Yes, get on the fa- the Twitter page. Make sure you're on the Facebook page. Discuss all this stuff. Um, and make sure you join us Sunday, 4 p.m. for another great show with Lizzie, myself, Jam, and Rob B is back. All right, it looks like Rob B, you definitely won the game. Great answers. Rob B, why don't you give us our last thought for the evening? Take us home, Rob B. 
Last thought for the night, again, 33 days, folks, 33 days, so important. You're running out of time. Get out there, vote now if you have the option. Let your voice be heard. Do what you gotta do. All right, Rob. Have a great night, guys. Good night, Lizzie. Good night, viewers. There's all this whining. Kids always hollering about the environment. About jobs. Health care. No one's ever given me free money. And what are the girls going on about still anyway? Pay gap, pay gap, pay gap. Come on, honey. Maybe if you worked harder. War on straws. What's next? Life can't always be brunch or drip or TikToks. People don't know what real problems are. Like, you know, thugs and looters. And preserving our heritage. I'm just saying what everyone's thinking. And oh, I'm voting. Oh yeah, I'll be voting. I'll be voting. You know I'm voting.